bonus podcast. My name is Thalia. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And of course, I'm sitting with Crystal. Hello. And I'm the pastor of women here on staff mm-hmm. at Northview. If you're not sure, <laughs> if you just downloaded this randomly from some website. That's funny. Yeah. So we're going to tell you a few things that are happening in our lives first, and then we're going to jump into the topic. Crystal and I get to go on a work trip to Texas. So tell us a little bit why we're doing that, Crystal. Yeah, we... Um, have at Northview in our women's Bible studies, we have a real strong component of table discussion and having people have that relational um, aspect where they want to learn around the tables and study God's word together and Bible teaching. And we've been looking around for somebody else, a Bible teacher that has that similar format of both the discussion and the um, upfront teaching. And Jen Wilkins seemed to be the best fit. And so she has one more or a couple more studies going. She ends the beginning of April. So we thought we would come and spy on one of her sessions. So we get to go to a Tuesday morning Bible study and a Tuesday night Bible study that she's leading. And then we're meeting with them, with her and her assistant on Wednesday morning to kind of pick their brains on how they do things, how they train table leaders, what their vision is, pros and cons of what they do. So... Yeah, and if you've never heard of Jen Wilkin, she's a well-known speaker and author and Bible study leader down in Texas in a town called Flower Mound, which I'd never heard of until we started researching to go to Texas. I know, I thought maybe it was the city, or they called the Bible study that because it was a women's group or yeah. something, and this, so they called it Flower Mound. And then I realized, oh, that's the name of the actual city that it's in. Yeah, and she is on staff at a very big church called the Village Church, and you might be familiar with Matt Chandler. He does a lot of, again, speaking and writing and blogging and all that kind of thing, and he is the lead pastor at the Village Church. Yeah, and so when we told Jeff and Steve we'd like to go down to visit this um, as an opportunity for us to learn, they said, well, you can't just go for the study. You have to actually go for some church services, too, and give us some goods on how they do things down there. So mm-hmm. we're going to head into three different church services as well on the Sunday, uh, two at Village Church and one at another one called Watermark. Yep. So we'll come back with ideas. Because the Village Church is a campus of about 10,000 people mm-hmm. spread over five different locations. So we're going to go to two different locations just to see how they do church across different venues, just like we do here. Yep. And then Watermark does the same thing. And so we're going to check that out. So we're going to be churched full yeah. <laughs> I won't say churched out because it'll probably be very good, but yeah, church full, three different services on the Sunday. And then Monday we have off, so we're just going to cruise around Dallas. And Tuesday we're going to go to two different Bible studies and then Wednesday meet with uh, hopefully Jen Wilkin and her team. Well, we have some team for sure. Yep. And then we leave Wednesday afternoon, mm-hmm. so it'll be fun. It'll be really good. Yeah. I get to go along because, you know, a sidekick. Pastors can't travel alone. They have to have someone with them. And it doesn't help for Crystal to bring Bob. No, you're my accountability partner. <laughs> I know. It's yeah, good. I know. It'll be fun. I know. What's coming up as well? We've got Easter services. Yeah. Because we're heading into spring break in a couple of days. So, yeah, people might not have that on their radar. Easter is no. quite early this year. I know. So, yeah, just so you know, there's Good Friday services at 4 and at 6 here at the Abbotsford campus. Yeah, Mission is joining us. Yep. And then there will be regular services on Sunday, but they're adding the 7 a.m. And the one. Saturday night, 5.30. Don't forget yes, that Yes, I one. know, but I'm saying, yes. The only new addition yes. to the Easter weekend is Sunday morning at 7 in the morning. With Timbits. I, yeah. Is it Timbits this year? Yeah, it's been that's what they said. sometimes. Yeah, Timbits. Whatever gets them out. Well, they've had those uh, hot cross buns, but they have yeah. raisins. Some people don't like raisins. No, Timbits are a better bet. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Not really my thing. I'm not really a donut fan. So don't send me donuts. I'm I'm advertising Timbits because it's a church thing, but no, 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 I'm okay. Chocolate chip muffin, you'll take that? Oh, yeah. Chocolate okay. chips. Just I'd probably just eat the chocolate chips plain. <laughs> anyway, okay, what else? 
Oh, we are heading into a fun topic. But before we get to that topic, I want to tell you that we receive a lot of emails and phone calls from people in our congregation asking a variety of different questions. What do you think about this? What do you know about this? And it's great fun. So we have a lot of interesting topics that we toss around in our open office. One I had recently was online dating. They said, is it okay to pursue online dating? And if so, Thalia, what are some of the recommended online dating sites? <laughs> <laughs> Who knew you had to be an expert in that? Well, in our pre-marriage classes, at least a third of the couples meet online. Hmm. And so then I tossed around our open office to say, okay, what do you guys know among your friends? What are some of the best online online dating sites. And there was a lot of feedback from a variety, so it seems like it can't go wrong. Although eHarmony came up as the most popular, so I don't know. Yeah. I haven't done that. And then we get questions like, uh, so obviously, what are some counseling resources in the community? That's a normal one. Or one time I had a lady phone me and asked if cremation was okay for Christians. Hmm. So that was an interesting one that we could pick around. Yeah. Something you don't necessarily come to work thinking you're going to have to answer? No. Yeah. Same with surrogacy. Is it okay for a Christian to be a surrogate or to use a surrogate? Right. And that took a little while for research. And again, we tossed it around the open office looking at scripture and Because it's dialoguing. not in the Bible. So mm -mm. we have to think of what principles would translate That's right. to make that decision. That's right. Mm -hmm. What kind of questions do you get? Um, I've had some about the Old Testament, the Jewish festivals oh, and yeah. laws. Like, is it okay if we celebrate Passover or all these different festivals? If, is it okay if we follow the Old Testament law as in oh, Leviticus yeah. and Numbers and Deuteronomy? Yeah. We often get questions about which authors are good or what books are good or have we read a certain author or book or checked out a certain online website. So... Feel free to send us your question. It can provide great resources for podcasts like this. Yeah, it's always good to have yeah those things that make you think. Mm -hmm. you, it's not, like I said, not a question you think you have to answer as you come into work in the morning. No. But it's good, and it forces you to kind of think outside the box a little bit and think culturally relevant a lot of times, right? Yeah. About what's going on right in our community. So you had an interesting question, I think, this week. Yeah, so that's what our podcast is going to be on. Mm -hmm. This is from a congregant asking about something that's happening locally. In Abbotsford, yep. Mm -hmm. It's also a nationwide and probably more international thing. Okay. But she phoned in and said, I've been part of this group that does holy yoga and Christian meditation. And holy she, yoga. Holy yoga. Okay. And Christian meditation. And she said, and it's right here in Abbotsford, and she asked what I knew about it, what I thought about it, and whether it would be something that we could consider hosting at Northview. I dare you to host holy yoga. <laughs> So, kidding, but that, kidding. It was good. It was a good discussion and yeah. a good, and I really appreciated the fact that she brought it to our attention and asked what we thought because she said she had had conflicting views and conflicting, um, yeah, opinions from other people that okay. she had researched on it. Okay. So we're not actually going to get into a debate about whether you can Christianize yoga. No. That would be a great podcast maybe for another time. We'd have to do a little more research. The topic we're going to go into is a little bit on how do we discern whether we can do these things or not, or whether we should be involved in these things or not, when anything like this comes across our desk. Yeah. Because like we said, it's not in the Bible. It's not mentioned as something that's clear cut, black and white. Yeah. So what are the steps we want to take? So that's, we want all of our congregants, we want ourselves to be really discerning mm -hmm. with what we take in and what we participate in. And we want us to have good reasons as to why we think that. So we thought just walking through that process of how Thalia and I evaluated this question would be a good one. Yeah. And you have it in the format of some flags that come up for you when you are listening to anything or watching anything or being involved in anything. What are you looking for? Right. So I'll 
basically base it on this 30-minute uh, piece that this congregant sent to me. It was just an audio podcast that she sent me, and she said, can you listen to this and let me know what you think? So okay. I'm not saying right now that I'm an expert on this field at all. Like I, That's the only thing I've listened to is that 30-minute podcast. I did a little bit of internet research, but I haven't done you know a lot that I could really say a lot on it. But when I did that, when I listened to that for 30 minutes, there were about five different flags that came up in my mind, mm-hmm. and I thought they'd be good ones to share so that we listen um, just with that good intentionality of kind of what, understanding what we're taking in and I, what the flags could be. I played it at home out loud while I was making dinner, yeah. and every family member that came through the kitchen are, what are you listening to? <laughs> it was fun to hear their flags go up too as they listened for pieces as they would get a snack or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's very, it's set to very relaxing kind of music, like mm-hmm. you would expect with a meditation kind of um, setting, right? Uh, that kind of spa background kind of music. A little space oriented. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the first flag that I had as I was listening is that it, um, when you have words being spoken to music like that in a very kind of meditative, relaxive way, it creates an atmosphere that um, encourages you to let down your guard of discernment and to simply accept the words that are being spoken. But at the same time, as they're encouraging you to let down your guard, there are teaching theology by what they're saying on that podcast. They're teaching you things about the person who is speaking, is teaching you things about who God is, about who Jesus is, about who we are in relation to him, about how we should respond to Jesus and to God. And so I think anytime you're realizing that you're receiving theological teaching, it's a dangerous thing to let your guard down and say, I'm just going to let these words flow into my head and I'm going to accept them without question. Well, let me jump in for a second, because as I had it playing out loud, I think it's something that we automatically do. So I'm listening to this music, and her words are very soothing, very spa-like. And I did find myself breathing when she said to breathe in, (laughs) and breathing out when she said to breathe out. And I did find myself actually like loosening my shoulders and letting them down and totally just like doing the instant spa-like experience. It was amazing that I totally followed her instructions. And I knew I was supposed to be evaluating this for you. And <laughs> I gave I'm, you the assignment. I know. Yeah, you shouldn't I was, be relaxing. I was trying to evaluate. And at the same time, I'm being totally sucked right in. Yeah. So be aware of that, that sometimes we're totally sucked in for a while before we like snap out and go, hey, hang on, hang on. I'm actually supposed to be working here. I'm not actually supposed to be relaxing on the couch. (laughs) Very good. Way to go. Just uh, lay it all out on the line there. Uh Yeah. So I think what we need to think about is how does the Bible teach us to receive information Mm -hmm. that's being taught um, to us? And so I think an example that often comes up is in Acts 17 verse 11, Um, There's a people group called the Bereans, and Paul and Silas went and visited them. And it says that they received them eagerly, but they tested everything they said against scripture. And so their minds were open to new information, but all the the information was being sifted. They weren't weren't just accepting anything kind of open-handedly. Okay. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, 20, it says, Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Mm Mm-hmm. So I think we are taught here at Northview, like Jeff and Ezra and whoever is preaching, it, they tell us to evaluate them. They tell us to listen to what they're saying, to test what they're saying against scripture, against other teachers. Um, yeah. That's something that they value. And we need to think about that as we re- receive teaching. Like, is this putting us, is this form of teaching us putting us in a spot where we're not stopping to evaluate yeah. or whether are our brain still turned on in the sense that we're evaluating what's being taught to us? 
which is a little hard because sometimes we simply want to relax and trust our leaders, or we want to relax and watch a TV show or a movie or read an article, but actually we should still have our smart minds turned on. And we should evaluate what's coming at us as to whether we should turn this off, we should keep going, whether this is correct biblically or not correct biblically. And that's a little bit like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. We want to be lazy. Yeah. And we want to relax. I do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So maybe just relax and be lazy with stuff that's not as um, critical. Like HGTV, House Hunters International. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) They're not going to try and teach you theology in that portion. No, that's true. It is very helpful. You just let your mind go. Yeah. 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 Um, so I thought, first of all, it created this atmosphere where you let your guard down. And secondly, there was about, so in the podcast itself, she identified two verses that she would be speaking on at the very beginning, but throughout the podcast, she referenced about six or eight other ones. And the only reason I knew she was referencing scripture is because I know my Bible and I could, I knew what she was talking about. I knew she was referencing James one and I knew she was referencing, um, different passages, Exodus yeah. 32, all these things, because I know the Bible, yes. but she didn't identify that no. this was bu- the Bible she was quoting, and she no. didn't say where that piece could be found. So no. anybody that doesn't know their Bible as well yeah. wouldn't know that that was a Bible, first of all, and wouldn't know where to find it to yeah. test if she was actually saying it correctly or quoting it correctly. Right. So even though the majority of the times she did actually quote it faithfully, I didn't think she used it too out of context the majority of the times, there was no way to check it. Yeah. And so that was a concern to me. That's a big concern. Yeah. Okay, what other kind of flag would you have? Um, Well, this is a really common one with anyone that does kind of meditation and prayer is the use of John 10, uh, verses 2 to 5, which is a passage where it talks about that, where Jesus talks about the fact that his sheep hear his voice. Mm. And people that are involved in meditation and prayer exercises use this to say that um, anyone who is a follower of Jesus can actually just hear him speak audibly to them, that he will give them direction, guidance, personal messages, um, because they are his sheep and we will hear his voice. And so they use people who are in this kind of ministry or um, yeah, area of uh, involvement, will use this to say, we, sh- we just need to tune our ears, we need just need to listen, we will actually hear Jesus physically speaking to us into every situation that we're in. Now I've heard you teach on this in a broader context, yeah, and you have taught the proper context of that verse, looking at scripture before and after a wider um, passage of scripture. What have you discovered there? Yeah, and I was going to say, if anyone's interested in that, I did a presentation at MEI to a bunch of the teachers there on why some of these texts are problematic, and I could easily, I don't mind sending that out to anybody mm-hmm. that wants to know uh, what the problem is with some of these texts that are part of the listening prayer Um, texts. But this text, when you look at it in context, it's a conversation, it's a debate, an argument actually that Jesus is having with the Pharisees. And it's been going on for about two chapters. And it ends about 30 verses after this section. And basically what he's telling them is they're debating with him whether he's a sinner or whether he's sent from God. And Mm. he's trying to establish his identity with them. And he's basically blasting them and saying, because you're not my sheep, you don't hear my voice. You don't understand who I am and what I've come to do. So it's all about his identity. And it's about the fact that he is going to come into the flock, which is made up of Jews, and he's going to take the people that will actually listen to him, and he's going to go join them up with the Gentiles from another flock, and he's going to make a new flock, the church. Okay. That's what this whole passage is about. It's about bringing people to salvation. And it's a parable. And whenever you have a parable, you don't read words like, hear my voice as a literal hearing. There's other meaning attached to it. And we're not going to get into all that today. But whenever I hear John 10 quoted as a 
thing that we just need to empty our minds and sit and think, and Jesus will speak to us directly. I'm like, well, that, that passage is not talking about that. And so if we use that in that way, it's problematic to yeah. me. So, and I would agree in terms of we often will open our Bibles and we'll read a nice little phrase yeah. and we'll say, oh, that's a great little phrase. It feels good. It encourages me. I'm going to act literally on that little phrase, but we're not realizing that it comes as part of a sentence, as part of a paragraph, as part of a chapter or several chapters that give us the broader context of what it means. Yeah, which is especially, especially problematic if you take that in narrative. So the Gospels, where John 10 is found, is a narrative, right? It's a story. And so the Gospels and Acts are the New Testament narratives, and the Old Testament Genesis to Nehemiah are the stories. And anybody knows that if you pick up a story, like any novel, and you read chapter 12 and the two middle paragraphs without reading chapters 1 to 11 and chapter whatever, Mm -hmm. 12 to 15, and the rest of it, you don't know the story. Yeah. And so what people do with with narrative in the Bible is they just jump in and they think somehow this can be magically applied to my life today without realizing what it's doing within the larger book, within the larger context, within the story. So it goes back to us a little bit wanting to be lazy. Yeah. Like, oh, we don't really want to do the work of reading the bigger context and understanding what that means. We'd rather just take that nice little phrase and apply that to our life. Yeah, it's that, and it's also us misunderstanding what the Bible is. Mm. Like, it's not a magic book that yeah. has little formulas that we need to put on Pinterest and put on our chalkboard <laughs> and hang up on our fridge. Like, yeah. it's not magic formulas. It's a story of how God interacted with people. Yeah, And if we point. take out a little two-word, two-sentence piece of that and try and make it mean something, it just doesn't work. Yeah. Like, it doesn't, you wouldn't do that with a novel you're reading no. or a newspaper article you're reading or anything. Like, But somehow we think the Bible can be read that way. Hmm. So, okay. Yeah, that's a problem. What about another flag? Um, As she was, as I was going on about halfway through, um, she referenced the one passage that she had mentioned on the podcast title, that this is what she was going to be talking about. And she said, I'm reading this from the Passion Translation. Okay. What's the Passion Translation? The Passion Translation is a translation that is fairly recent. It's a translation put out by a member of the New Apostolic Reformation, which is a group of people who have decided that they are the modern day apostles. They are kind of equivalent to Paul, Peter, all the people that walked with Jesus, and they have a new message to go for the church. And it's written by a guy named uh, Brian Simmons. He claims that Christ visited him and commissioned him personally to make this new translation of the Bible. Oh boy. It's not based on any original language research, and he did it by himself. And so if you have a Bible like the ESV or the NIV or the NLT, how those are created is a whole group of biblical scholars who know the ancient Greek, know the ancient Hebrew, they'll sit together and they will pound out a translation together and they'll debate and they'll argue over which word best translates. And they know the original languages and they do this in a group for Mm -hmm. accountability and to push and pull with each other. Yeah. But this translation wasn't done that way. It was done by one guy not using original languages. So it's Mm. a completely different format than what uh, the rest of our Bibles would be. Yeah, so that should be a flag. It's even different than the message, because the message was uh, paraphrased by Eugene Peterson, but he knows he's basing it on the original languages. Right. And he's, he's very much um, acknowledging the fact in his writing that it is a paraphrase, whereas the Passion Translation, they're saying this is biblical, like this is on par with the NIV or the wow. ESV or the... And when I was listening to this podcast, the only reason I knew the passion was something that raised a flag for me is because we as pastors have recently studied a book called God's Super Apostles. Yeah. And you have it on here by Holly Pivik, P-I-V-E-C, and Douglas 
I don't know, Givet? Givet. Givet. G-E-I-V-E-T-T. And we read that as pastors, just trying to understand a little bit more of this new apostolic reformation movement. But somebody who is listening to this podcast for the first time might just let that go over their head, like the Passion Translation. If you go to the bookstore, we have every kind of translation in every kind of a format. So you might just think, well, it's a women's version. It's a, you know, a version for addicts, it's a version for kids. Yeah. So people need to have that in their minds. Because, yeah, we wouldn't have necessarily known if we hadn't done that research either. No. So just know, if you see the Passion Translation, that's not a word-for-word original language translation. Something to be wary of. Yeah. Okay. I noticed when I was listening to this podcast, there was a lot of emphasis on the goodness of God and Jesus. Right. Now that was the title of it. And so that's Mm -hmm. what she was obviously emphasizing. But I get nervous too when anybody has, presents kind of a one-sided picture and say, this is who Jesus was. This is who God was or God is. And they only present his love, only present his life bringing, only present his peacemaking, only present... Because when you read the Bible, there's a a roundedness to God and a roundedness to Jesus. Yeah. Jesus was loving and peaceful, and but he also got into lots of arguments with people. And he's told, he stood his ground and he called people to hard things like discipleship and leaving everything and leaving their father and mother and following him. And Mm -hmm. so if we emphasize his goodness in exchange for, or, and don't talk at all about the fact that he will call you to hard things and call you to repentance and to leave your past behind and to turn away and to follow him. Mm-hmm. Then we're presenting just a one-sided kind of a paper doll kind of picture of Jesus. It just has one aspect yeah. to him. So that's concerning to me. That was another one of my flags. Yeah. It's a big deal. Yeah. And the one passage that was quoted on that uh, she did mention that it was in Exodus, but um, just quoted kind of the good parts of that passage. But if you read a little bit further on, it talks about the, that God will also um, visit. He will by no means clear the guilty. He will visit the iniquity of the fathers on the children. And Moses's response was that he bowed his head to earth and worshipped in repentance. And so we can't just present, like I said, one verse and not read all the passages that go around it. And what else do they show us about who God is? Okay. Another flag. Okay, what was my last one? I think that was four. My last one. Oh, yeah. This was kind of talking about the fact that uh, people were, that the, the one passage that was referenced um, was a section from the Gospels, and that people were encouraged to meditate and personally apply that section. And so that's what I was saying. You're jumping into the middle of a story, and you're being asked to say, okay, what does this mean to you? What does this apply to you. And it was Jesus speaking to his disciples, but there's no mention in the podcast that it was Jesus speaking. There's no mention of who, no mention of the fact that he was just on his way to the cross, no mention of that bigger story. And so I think that's just a concern. If we think we can start and stop anywhere in the Bible and make it apply to us, because that's not what it's meant to do. There's a few pieces in the Bible that are meant to be read that way more, and those would be the Psalms, right? Because they're meant to be read as prayers and as songs. And you don't necessarily need to read, like each psalm kind of has its own message. It's not within a context of a story. Some of them have a backstory, like some of the psalms will say, this is written by David when he was hiding in the, in the cave after running away from Saul. And so then you want to read, oh, what was the backstory of the psalm? And that's interesting. But you can kind of read a psalm all by itself and not worry so much about, you know, what came before, what came after, because it's not organized in sequential, like, order that way. Right. But for narratives, for sure, like the Gospels, Acts, you can't just take two words, two sentences out of a story and apply it to your life. 
So some people listening to us might say, that's all really well and good, Crystal and Thalia, but I'm not a pastor, I'm not a Bible school teacher, I'm not leading a Bible study on a weekly basis, and you're talking narratives and genres and things like this that don't, are, don't make any sense, gobbledygook. <laughs> so practically, concretely, how would we guide somebody who attends church most weekends, and that's kind of it, how would they even know where to start on something like this? Give first, us some concrete examples. First of all, be aware of what translation you're using and what when, what translations are being yeah put before you. So you want ones that have been produced by a, a panel of scholars that have gone back to the original languages so that you know that they're solid and that they're telling you exactly what God's Word has said throughout the centuries. So that's be the ESV, the NIV, the NLT, the NASB, um, things like that. Yeah. But, and the King James Version is good, but it's very hard to understand. Yeah. So it's still solid, but you won't get a lot out of it. No. Not likely, anyways. No. And there's a few, yeah, I've heard a few issues with the New King James. I don't know exactly what they are, but I know there's a little, not huge concerns, but just it's not quite uh, up to the same par as the other ones in, in most people's minds in okay. terms of the ability to translate correctly. And I think concretely, we would also encourage people, if at all possible, get involved in a solid Bible study of some sort. A men's Bible study, a women's Bible study, a community group that teaches the Bible solidly. There are so many ways to get involved where you can learn to understand your Bible well so that when people quote passages, you're not completely in the dark. Yeah. And I think most importantly, I think that's totally true. Most importantly, is let's not just say when somebody quotes the Bible, like, oh, it's scripture, it must be right. 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 Yeah. Because the scripture itself might be fine, but it might be being used wrong. Yes. And so I think we need to just not have our guard down when everybody, when anybody says, I'm a Christian teacher or I'm teaching the Bible, you have to actually say, okay, but are you using it correctly? Yeah. Like, are you actually, when I read the passages around what you're teaching, does it support what you're saying that passage means? Right. Yeah. So that's all you'd have to do as homework. Mm-hmm. If somebody, if you listen to a podcast or a teacher, if you take the passage that they've been teaching on and you say, okay, let's read two or three chapters before and two or three chapters after. And within that context of kind of the story that they're teaching on, is that passage really mean what they're saying it means? Yeah. And if you have questions on that, we're always here. Like we said, we I like know. getting all these questions. I think that's good too, is that if you really don't know, ask. Yeah. You know, it provides actually some interest in our day when we get these unusual questions. (laughs) And it's not just us. Like Jeff, Ezra, Paul, Greg, they come around with questions because they've received from people. And it makes it fun for all of us because we actually all have to then dig in further and we have to dialogue and discuss. Like, it's good for us. Yeah. And And oftentimes, yeah, I haven't heard of something, but other people have. mm -hmm. And so they'll have input to add. And then I often run run it by somebody else as I as I send it out or whatever, because, yeah, you want to get other people's opinions on what you've taken in. So do a little promo for some of the courses we have going on here. Yeah, so one that I would suggest, if you're kind of thinking I'm heading into spring and summer and I need, want to get my teeth into something, I would suggest a really nice, small little course. It's called the Simeon uh, Trust Course uh, in First Principles. And it's a six-session course. Each video is about, what, 35 to 45 yeah. minutes. Thalia is doing it with me with the group. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it's only $15. It's only $15 US, but you go on the simeontrust.org website and then look for the first principles class. But it just teaches basic Bible study principles. Yeah. How do you learn how to find a passage in context? How do you learn how to find kind of the structure of a text, like what the author's really getting at? Mm-hmm. How do you learn, um, the first one was on staying on the line, like how do we 
we have scripture kind of as a line of teaching. How do we make sure we don't promise more than what scripture teaches? How do we make sure we don't promise less than what yeah. scripture teaches? And you can do this all at home. Yeah. Like we have watched the videos at home. You can answer the questions at home. And then if you want to get together with a group of friends and study, you can. You don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. So it's something you could easily do by yourself or mm -hmm. with a group. It's really thought provoking. Yeah. And, and it's it really... not just for women. I no. think that's it. Simon Trust is for everybody. Well, it's mostly for men. <laughs> like, I mean, that's, yes. it's, it has been geared towards preachers. And so, but we just have said it's great material. And mm -hmm. so we've adopted it and they have a women's ministry track as well, but they started out as yeah. a, as a kind of a preaching workshop for men who are preaching. Yeah. We have Christianity Explored starting yeah. at the end of March, March 30th for seven weeks. That would be a great way to get involved. Yeah. We have Women's Ministry Bible Study starting up soon. Yeah, the James Study is starting up in right after spring break on March 30th on the Wednesdays and April 4th on the Monday nights. And yeah. what we'll be doing there is just walking through the book of James line by line, verse by verse, and talking about what this teaches us about God and uh, how we should apply it to our life. Yeah. So that's a great way to make sure you're reading in context and reading things right. If you mm -hmm. just walk by it, walk through it line by line. And if you haven't been in church regularly, get back to church. There's great teaching here. Yeah. And if you've had to be away for certain reasons, access the um, messages online because there's been some really great things that you might have missed if you haven't been listening. Yeah. And in the future, there'll be TLC classes and other things coming up in spring or sorry in fall next year mm -hmm. but yeah if you want something to do on your own at home or with a group i'd really recommend the simian trust course yeah yep so i think that's it for now did you want to pray for us as sure. we go lord we need your help to be discerning we need your holy spirit to enable us to even want to want to learn and be discerning i know lord because we um are so capable of being lazy and turning off our brains and just wanting to relax. So, Lord, I'm sorry when I've done that. Please forgive me for that. And, Lord, help us to be women and men that turn on our brains because you've given us smart minds. Lord, I pray that we would honor your word, that we would have a hunger for your word, that we'd have a hunger to study and to learn more deeply in community. I pray that we'd be at church and we'd be plugged into all kinds of groups so that we would learn and grow and that we would teach our kids. But Lord, we can't do this on our own. We need your help. And so would you help us and fill us with your spirit again today? In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for See joining us. Time. See you next time.